flow and it's December 23rd 2005 welcome to the BSD talk podcast online mp3 file tonight I'm going to talk about uh, installing software and updating software on the BSD systems but before I do that I just like to make a happy announcement today NetBSD announced their latest release which is 3.0 which incorporates all kinds of new features uh, you know the previous version was uh, I think 2.1 so there's been a major number update which includes all kinds of features like um, Zen virtual machine monitor um, the integration of OpenBSD's packet filter as an optional um, firewall piece of software all kinds of updates to drivers you know, I'm not going to sit here and read the release notes to you. You can go check it out on their website, netbsd.org. But uh, congratulations to the NetBSD team on a, on a new release. All right. So um, tonight, talking about how the BSD systems manage and install software. If you are coming to the BSDs from the Linux or Windows world, things are going to be a little different okay maybe a lot different in the Windows world it's pretty much accepted that all software is pre-compiled you download an installer and you double click on it and away you go uh, to update your software you for at least the operating system software and software that's supported by Microsoft you open your web browser go you go to Windows update it automatically checks your system, you click some files, and away you go. Pretty much uh, designed for the home user. Not uh, very flexible necessarily, but uh, very easy. Um, Apple's operating system, Darwin, uses a similar point-and-click method for updating their system software. Click, things download, they install. Not really sure what's going on, but hey, your system is up to date. Third-party applications are a little different. It varies from application to application. You know, if you're on Windows and you're running some backup software or a database, you may have to manually go to that vendor's website, download any updates, and follow what whatever particular update instructions they have. The BSDs have you know at least FreeBSD, NetBSD, and OpenBSD have very similar package management systems and software management systems. They vary slightly, all the commands are a little different. Being a podcast, it's not really worth explaining the exact commands to do these things. Um, it's just you know too difficult to spell it out in words and not as useful as following the documentation, particularly because you have to be quite accurate with what you type. Um, but I just want to cover the general theory of, of what they're like, um, particularly for um, Windows, Apple, and, and even a lot of the Linux people, um, where you can use you know, Red Hat and Fedora's up-to-date or Yum system, and the folks on Debian have uh, their apt-get. And those are all, all automated update systems, which um, allow you to keep your system up-to-date with uh, very little effort. Um, the BSDs, in general, um, have two mechanisms for keeping your system up to date. You've got uh, your packages 
and your ports. Terminology is a little bit different um, between some of the different flavors of BSD. NetBSD doesn't like to call them ports anymore because they consider a port to be um, a version of NetBSD for a different architecture, such as PowerPC or Intel or VAX or something like that. Um, but for this conversation, we'll just call them packages and ports because that's what I'm used to calling them. Um, your packages and ports essentially are Unix software source code that um, is the source code is installed on the machine and patched to make it function with whatever version of BSD you're running and then installed. It can be, you know, a slow process. You're compiling software, depending on how big it is, such as uh, Mozilla, the, the Mozilla web browser, or perhaps the KDE desktop environment. That can take a long time. So a lot of these packages uh, or these ports are already installed and turned into tar files, although they're more than just a tar file because they usually are a tar file that contains a few extra files that gives them information. Um, so you can just download that tar file and install it using the package tools, which are the pkg underscore and then whatever thing you want it to do, package install or essentially package add or package information, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so most people are going to be installing software using uh, the packages. Pre-compiled, they're quick, you go find them, you go download them, you just do your package add, it's on your system, no problem. Not, you know, there, there's way more pieces of software in the port system than in the packages system. You know, you might have, you know, a couple hundred or a couple thousand pre-compiled packages, but there may be six or 10,000 ports that are available. So the port system involves downloading a directory structure with basically just a bunch of make files and a bunch of directories, maybe a couple other little files. And you go into those directories and run the make command. And this should be fairly familiar if you've ever done a basic installation of software from source, which usually involves downloading the source code from some site, going into the directory, doing a configure, make, and then make install. Here, you generally, with the uh, port system, you go into a directory, you type the make command, and that make file, along with some other information on the system, goes and fetches the source code for you. It patches it to work specifically on this version of BSD, and then you do a make install, and it installs it for you. It handles all the dependencies for you. If you're installing, uh, let's say the Firefox web browser, and that depends on all kinds of other stuff, such as the X Windows system or whatever, it's going to go ahead and fetch all those other dependencies for you, download them, check some of them, all that other wonderful stuff, and install it. So it's a, a slightly different process than what most of the Linux people are used to. The packages and ports system, or more specifically the ports system, was actually so loved by a particular group of people that they decided to make it the foundation for a Linux system, Gen 2 Linux, 
people some sometimes people joke about it and they call it the GCC screensaver because people end up spending days compiling KDE or whatever while everyone else is just installing the package in a few minutes. Um, Gentoo uses the BSD packages and ports system in order to keep their operating system up to date. So uh, some people like it. It it may feel like a step backwards to some people who are used to point and click. Other people like it a lot. Depends on your preference. Um, you know, I when I'm administering a bunch of machines, I, I like the idea of just point and click. Um, but there are situations where that point and click can get a little hairy and problems can happen and it can be difficult to figure it out. So um, let's look at some specific differences between them. Different package and port systems are uh, have different features and capabilities on the different versions of the BSDs. Uh, on the NetBSD, they're actually working on a new system where they, they've created a new system called Package Source. And, uh, you know, different name, similar concept, uh, although they're really trying to make it a universal package installation system. And they've ported their package source system to a variety of operating systems. Um, OpenBSD's packages and port system, um, I would say they, they probably haven't focused on features as much as some of the other BSDs. Um, their developers are, you know, according to their messages on the mailing list, working to add a clear and uh, simple foundation layer as they add features rather than just trying to go for the features and add complexity. You know, six of one, half dozen of the other, depending on how you want to view that. Uh, are they behind the curve or are they just trying to build a, a solid system? And, and I hope that they, they are building a, a solid system. Right now with the OpenBSD package system, you need to uh, specify the particular version of the package you're trying to install. Essentially, when you go to download packages, there'll be the packages that were released with the operating system that may have been at version, let's say, 4. But then there might be a security update or some bug fixes, and so you'll have version 4.1 come out. Uh, on the OpenBSD system, you're going to have to manually um, uninstall the old version and then download and install the new version. They are working on a, a system to do in-place upgrades, and it's uh, just in OpenBSD 3.8 that started to come out. Uh, FreeBSD system, don't have to give in version numbers. It will go and fetch uh, the latest versions for you. And the package source uh, seems to just rely mostly on source, but super portable. And given the number of architectures that NetBSD supports, portability uh, is very important for them. Who knows where the package source will be used elsewhere? I haven't really seen too much discussion recently about um, adopting package source on FreeBSD and OpenBSD natively. It is ported to them, so it would run there. Although I've never used it on FreeBSD or OpenBSD. Another um, part of managing software on the BSDs is not just installing optional packages, but keeping your core system up to date, uh, either for bug fix reasons or security reasons. And that also can be a fairly complicated process. Traditionally in the BSDs, there is a concept of a core system, and every release has a, a small 
although not that small, but a you know a, a reasonably small core set of utilities and software that they consider to be the core. And then you add packages and ports on top of that. Um, this core system is usually updated by patching the source code to the operating system, recompiling the kernel, and then recompiling the entire operating system. And it, it uh, sounds pretty uh, crazy, but it's, it's what you do. And it can take a long time. Um, in FreeBSD, you know, you hear about making the world or make world. Uh, and that's when you're recompiling everything. Uh, so if you're going to start making these source changes to your base operating system, there's some new terminology uh, that you need to start learning about, which is stable and current. Essentially, there are particular releases that you hear about in the news, you know, release 3.8 or release 2.1 or release 6. And these are snapshots of that source code when they decide, well, it's done enough to be released to the public. Um, although, actually, you can get it anything, so it's always released to the public. But either way, developers decide this is stable enough to be considered a release. Going forward until the next release, when there are updates or patches, one thing you can do is download individual patches, apply them to the source code of your operating system, and then recompile um, whatever portion of that operating system that you need to. Or other things that you could do is do what's called track um, stable. Stable uh, is stable in the sense that only important fixes go there. And they try not to make any major changes that might break things. Obviously, they can't guarantee that things won't break, but stable is uh, usually the thing to go. And so you use source code management systems like CVS, concurrent version systems, which is a uh, network-aware source code management system to essentially synchronize your local copy of the operating system source code with the developer's source code while you're synchronizing it with a particular branch of that source code, the stable branch. So you keep your operating system source code up to date with stable, and then you rebuild it, and you rebuild the entire operating system as a cohesive unit. If you're cutting edge, or if you want to track what's going on with the current development of the operating system, the bleeding edge, the latest features, then you may choose to track current, and uh, with current, when you update your source code, you just choose the current branch, and it brings everything uh, up to the current state of the operating system from the developer standpoint. Please don't do that on your important <laughs> workstations or servers, because um, from day to day, things can get broken pretty easily. Tracking stable is what you really should do. Uh, it's in my mind, easier than trying to apply particular source code patches by hand. So those are the three processes for keeping your base system up to date, and you end up recompiling. This can get frustrating on older, slower hardware or hardware that doesn't have a lot of space on it. Let's say you've built a minimal firewall or a very minimal server that doesn't have a lot of disk space or a lot of CPU power, then sometimes it's not ideal to uh, download, download source code and be recompiling on a working machine. And so there are a variety of systems out there that uh, people have developed to allow you to 
um, do your comp compiling of the source code on one system and then move those changes over to another system. But it's uh, definitely not uh, as point and click as it is in a lot of the Linux distributions. But that's the way the BSD works. I hope uh, in some coming podcasts that I could talk to some people who are using BSD in some large installations and uh, talk to them about how they, they manage their operating system source code and patches and updates. Um, so you can get a, a view from some more people besides me uh, as to why the BSDs work well for them, why they've chosen them, why they've decided to stick with them. And that really is the hope of this podcast, uh, that I can get voices from the BSD world uh, out here in the podcast, and you can hear from someone besides me. So that's uh, my quick overview of how the BSDs manage their source code. If you're not uh, currently a BSD user, I hope I haven't scared you away. It's, it's not as hard as you think it is. Um, if you're able to read <laughs> and follow directions, the directions are usually very clear, and if you just follow the steps, you can do it. It's a little scary at first, but it, it'll, it'll work. And uh, thank you for listening to BSD Talk. <laughs>